Hi, my name is Graham Barrett. Thanks for downloading the latest episode of the C-Suite podcast produced in partnership with Making the Leap, the innovative grassroots societal change charity that transforms the futures of young people from less advantaged socioeconomic backgrounds in the UK. On this show, we're going to be discussing the importance of social mobility and the steps that companies and organisations can take to ensure genuine opportunities for all, no matter what their background. For this discussion, I'm delighted to introduce our guests, Jack McMahon, Global Head of Communities and the PA Foundation at PA Consulting, Kelly Perry, Global Head of Sustainability at CMC Markets, Wumi Iango, Senior Surveyor at CBRE and a Making the Leap Fellow and Vice Chairman of the Fellows Board. And finally, Lucy Price, Head of Development at Making the Leap. Welcome to you all. And Lucy, I'd love to come to you for the first question. What does social mobility mean to you and how does that inform the work you are doing at Making the Leap? Thanks, Graham. It's great to be here. So for us at Making the Leap, we um, see good social mobility as ensuring that everyone has a good standard of living, no matter what your background or occupation. And that can include decent housing, the ability to feed yourself and your family, and also financial security. And then the other part of that is about a quality of opportunity, regardless of your parents' background or occupation. So that is about access to education and training opportunities and opportunities for employment in any sector. So for us at Making the Leap, we transform the futures of young people from less advantaged socioeconomic backgrounds in London, as you said, by providing training to raise their aspirations develop their confidence, skills and outlook and give them the chance to succeed in their chosen career. And this year, we're really delighted to be celebrating our 30th anniversary. So we directly deliver programmes to young people aged 11 to 25 in London. And we do that by supporting secondary school students and then young people who have left education, completed their education and are looking to start their career. And all of our programmes are around raising their aspirations, developing their soft skills, giving them those valuable employer interactions and supporting young people into employment with a focus on opportunities to really kickstart their career. And then building on our direct delivery, we also use what we learn to raise awareness about social mobility amongst businesses and UK organisations and encourage them to take action to improve that. And that started in 2017 when we launched the UK Social Mobility Awards, which was the first awards event of its kind. And since then, we've launched various spin-off initiatives. So the Social Mobility Podcast, not to compete with yours, Graham, um, Social Mobility Podcast, um, Social Mobility Day and Social Mobility Seminar. And these are ongoing initiatives throughout the year. And then we also have our research and advocacy work where we support organisations around what social mobility means in their business and sector and publish reports about what social mobility activities happening across the country in business. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for that, Lucy. Congratulations on your 30th anniversary. Thank you. Wumi, let me come to you next. Um, As I said in the intro, you're a Making the Leap fellow. Could you tell us a little bit about what that actually means and what social mobility means for you. Yes, of course. So um, when you start the program, you're known as an associate and and following completion of the workshop, which is called the ACE workshop, stands for Aspirations, Careers and Employability. Um, you then become a fully fledged fellow. So I completed the program in 2017, uh, straight out of university. And I can't not tell the story without talking about um, the pioneer of the story. So it starts with my mother. My sister finished university, she was studying law, and I think when you go through the educational system, it's quite a, you're quite um covered, I guess, from what happens outside in the 
the, I guess the business world you know you don't really learn about selling yourself um understanding how business works and and it's not just aptitude that gets you the job if I'm honest you have to know how to kind of um incorporate certain soft skills when it comes to um job interviews my sister started the program it was, it was she was recommended through the job center and she's a natural born I would say introvert and my mom was so impressed with just just I guess the output at the end of the workshop and all the opportunities that she received from the program um, and that included getting a job offer which she was so impressed by so when it was coming up for myself and my brother she just said simply if you don't have a job out of university guess where you're going and it was making the leap simple as that so I started off um, started off the program I I would say I was quite charismatic but I lacked discipline and it was it was quite clear to see why I probably wasn't getting as many opportunities as I should have but more importantly one thing I learned through the program not just discipline and I think was even more important was um, I would say that mental enlightenment that I received um, from finishing the workshop and I'd say the, the the biggest blocker for me sometimes is not being able to see what you, you you can only kind of achieve what you can see and there was this powerful moment with Tunde the founder where he was talking he gave us a scenario gave us a little speech and he just spoke about how you know it's you versus a Cambridge um, graduate you know the Russell group had a first class you guys are both in an interview and he just and he just had us all stand up and ask the question, is he better than you? And we all had to stand up in quite an empowering moment and say, no, he's not. And the biggest thing Tunde was trying to show us is that just because someone else has had different opportunities than you, it doesn't mean he's better than you. And that has thus coined the phrase I've been saying quite often. And it's not ability that separates us, it's opportunity. So once I had that mindset shift, I think my abilities did unlock. And with the diligent training from the staff, um, that really helped to kind of open the door. Um, for a lot of the opportunities I've had um, since since completing the program. And in terms of social mobility, what does that mean to me? Not to be too uh, play upon on words, but it's 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 mobile. It's changed from, from when I started working to where I'm now. Um, that began with just having access to opportunities, being able to be exposed to certain spaces, which thankfully enough, Maytha gave me that opportunity. Um, one of that being Foxton's, which led to me actually getting my first job. But now as I'm five years into my career, I think, Social mobility means to me not just access to opportunities, but actually being able to develop and to actually um, evolve into these senior senior positions. I think I think that's uh, critical. Brilliant! Thanks so much. Some really you know inspiring story there as yeah. well with your mother and how often is that the case that the mother is the start of you know <laughs> such journeys? So uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that, um, Kelly. Let's come to you. Welcome to the podcast and. What do you understand by social mobility? I mean, Wumi there was talking about access to opportunity. Is, is that a big part of it for you? And how important is it within CMC markets? Yeah, Graham, thank you so much for having me today. And I'm really delighted to be on the podcast here with some people that are very embedded into social mobility as, as part of their day to day. So I'm, I'm I'm grateful to be here in, in amongst some skilled individuals with a lot of knowledge. So thank you. And Wumi, thank you so much for sharing. Pleasure. But as an organisation, we know that people from low economic backgrounds or socioeconomic backgrounds where they, they, they face more challenges uh, or disadvantaged backgrounds are, have fewer opportunities uh, to climb the socioeconomic ladder. We also know that the, you know, there's, a, there's a challenge there that's faced um, across those individuals in terms of once they have these opportunities and they are inside organisation, is that growth and development. And a lot of that comes back to how we approach our workplace and what we do. So for us at CMC, we have um, a real drive inside and our inside comes from the very top level of our organisation, which is Lord Peter Crudus, who is our CEO and founder of CMC. And he himself comes from a low economic background, 
born and raised in East London, which is where I live now. So he was born and raised um, in the East End in Shoreditch on a council estate. And he himself now has gone on to be a bit of a poster child for social economic movement and um, and education because he's gone on to create a very successful business and is now a lord. And um, he he's written a book as well, which is really exciting, um, From Milkman to Mayfair. So that kind of tells you about his rags to riches story. So if you want to hear the sort of nuts and bolts of what Lord Crudders has been doing in his career, that's a good book to pick up. But we're really delighted to have that social economic push from the very top of our organisation. And we can go into that in a bit more detail later on in the podcast, Graham. But I think actually having that at the leadership level is really important. Sure. Thanks for that. And I love that title from Milkman to Mayfair. That's a superb <laughs> title for an autobiography. So thanks for sharing that. Jack, let's come to you. Sorry to, to leave you to last, but really keen to get your insights here as well. You head up the PA Foundation, as I said in the intro. So tell us about the work you do and why you are so passionate about social mobility. Thanks, Graham. Well, uh, yeah, I guess I'm really fortunate to, to lead the PA Foundation uh, and head of communities at PA, but I've also got my own social mobility story as well. So, so I'm really kind of fortunate to be able to influence the, the strategy of, of, of an organisation. Yeah, so I grew up uh, in an ex-mining village in, in Yorkshire, uh, free school meals kid, uh, failing school, a young carer uh, with a single parent, a mother as well. It's always the mums. So um, despite what I had a great, I had a great childhood, uh, but obviously a pretty challenging environment growing up. Uh, but I excelled at school. I went to university, graduated from Cambridge uh, and had a successful career in international development and corporate sustainability. I'm about 15 years into my career. So uh, I guess you could say that I was this product of social mobility, the, the social mobility mindset, you know, and one of my mantras uh, as a child was that um, instilled, instilled by my mum was, uh, you know, um, take the opportunities given to you and, and do better than what I was able to achieve. So I think that is the epitome of, of, a, of, a, of a social mobility kind of uh, way of thinking um, and so now I'm really fortunate to uh, to lead the PA Foundation and head of communities at PA. Um, PA launched the PA Foundation uh, last year uh, with the aim to inspire and develop those people from disadvantaged backgrounds by expanding access to education skills and careers and particularly in STEM related fields uh, and it's all about equitable access to everyone and, and a real focus on developing human social capital that will lead to better careers and better jobs and ultimately better lives and there's a few main areas of focus which I think are really important and 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 develop um, support people um, uh, improve their social mobility and the first one is future-proofing skills so preparing that for those future roles and the changing dynamics of the work works the workplace um, we often say you know don't we don't believe AI is going to take away your job it's going to be somebody operating AI that is going to take your job so I think just preparing young people for what what they might not know in the future we have a, a duty to do that um, increasing access to networks. I think often people don't get those access to uh, role models, mentors. Um, um, if you're from a low income background, so build, it's really hard to build those aspirations. So really resonate with what Rumi was saying, which you can't be what you can't see. So providing those access to, net, to mentors is really important. And the last thing is building confidence and self-esteem. I think if you're from a low income background, you're often grateful for anything that you, you get. And we've just wrapped up our springboard program uh, this last week, which supports young people into work experience at PA and the, the kids were so grateful and said thank you so much for this opportunity and I just had to turn around and say I've you do not 
need to be grateful for this. You deserve this opportunity. Uh, trying trying to kind of share that with the students and saying, you know, you don't need to be grateful. Um, you, you're owed this opportunity and, and we're really pleased to, to give it to you. So at the minute with the FIA Foundation, we're currently about 20 charity partners. We've distributed three million pounds already since we started. So it's something that I'm really proud of and, and Making the Leap is one of those organisations, fantastic organisations that we work with uh, in the community to, to try and make a difference. Well, Jack, thanks for that. And let me stick with you a minute, because as Kelly said, we're going to you know, look into this issue of social mobility in as much detail as we can in, uh, during the duration of this podcast. Where do you think we are now? Give us an, um, you know, some kind of indication of the current climate. Does social mobility even exist anymore? Is it still achievable? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's such a difficult question. I think I think we know we know it's a problem, uh, and we we know social mobility there or, or lack thereof social mobility in the UK in particular is a problem. So, at the minute, I think we're we're looking at kind of on par with uh, Switzerland and the United States in terms of how we compare to other countries, and we're quite low in the league tables when it comes to social mobility. But um, I think we know that the home environment has a significant impact on future outcomes as well as. Uh, the education system but the, the, the education system doesn't seem to be this kind of social leveler that we would have hoped it to be so those people from low-income households are probably less like well we know are less likely to achieve the basic school grades go to top universities uh, they're less hopeful about career prospects uh, and and even things like they're less likely to become entrepreneurs all interesting kind of findings from research that, that uh, that's out there from organizations like the Southern Trust and Teach First and things like that. And and also, unfortunately, I think um, we know that COVID has disproportionately affected um, those people on low incomes, uh, but other forms of disadvantage that intersect with low income. So women, for example, and people with disabilities, um, often um, it kind of compounds the disadvantage that we see. Uh, so I think naturally the conversation is around low income, but I think um, there's, there's got to be more data um, generated, I think, when it comes to uh, how does it intersect with other forms of disadvantage um, and I also think we need to look at uh, where social mobility can be addressed so there's obviously a clear argument to focus on the home and school experience and in many ways that sits with the government and policy but I think employers as well also have a duty to think about how they can address social mobility so you know they can look at their own recruitment practices for example are they inclusive to people from low-income backgrounds Wumi was talking about um, this idea that um, being charismatic but lack discipline which is something that I also read with you know uh, how can we support those students to engage with the recruitment process and level the playing field essentially but then also you know we can also look at how um, people from social mobility backgrounds are looked after and supported when they're in in the workplace as well so we know it's a problem there are different areas for us to focus on but I think for, for this podcast you know it's it, we're talking to employers and how, how they can make a difference and there are obviously clear ways that we can try to make a difference in the best way that we can. Thanks yeah Kelly, Kelly what are your thoughts here because obviously you've got an inspiring leader at CMC you've told us about his story so I guess you still feel that social mobility is achievable do you? Yeah, look, I, I do. And I think the segue is quite nicely on from what Jack was saying, actually, there about sort of how companies can better understand uh, the benefits to their organisation um, when looking through a sort of social, uh, social mobility lens. Um, you know, there's a plenty of research out there that suggests that companies that are di more diverse um, are able to outperform other organisations because they recruit from the widest pool of talent. You know, they're looking, they're looking beyond, you know, the, the standard recruitment process and then going beyond and using pools of talent like Making the Leap, which, um, you know, CMC are very delighted to be in partnership with for the third year with, um, with Making the Leap. 
you know, and in doing so, what that can really do for a company is improve customer orientation for one. Um, it can help with employee satisfaction. Um, as a second thought, we also have a look at decision making and the diversification of decision making in our organization. Um, and that all leads to this kind of virtuous cycle of better performance for an organization, which we recognize and we see that. Now, we're really delighted, as mentioned before, that we work with Making the Leap and we're really delighted to have recruited um, individuals from the Making the Loop ACE program into our organization. And we do see the benefits of having a, a really talented pool of individuals coming through that ACE program. Lucy, let me turn to you now. You mentioned earlier about your 30th anniversary, but how has Making the Leap evolved over that time period? I mean, what, what do you notice about the people coming to Making the Leap now and the particular problems and challenges you are facing? Just building on everything that Jack and Kelly have, have touched on, I think there's two sides to this. So one, in terms of the young people with the legacy of the pandemic, it's still impacting young people in terms of just their outlook and how they feel about themselves. And at those, you know, those formative years, uh, young people from less advantaged backgrounds were having even less access to the to the resources and opportunities that that they would so you know, really desperately need. Um, and and that has a knock-on effect that that when young people are completing their education and, and now thinking about the world of work, they're just feeling quite quite different to how they how they would before. And we're seeing across our work with both secondary schools and young adults, more young people struggling with their confidence and, and self-esteem and, and also sort of a, a lowered outlook and just feeling that they just lack that understanding of of, of what opportunities are available. So it's sort of around the, the aspirations piece that's that's really important. And with our ACE programme, for example, we have seen an increase in, in demand for that over the past year, which is reflective of, of, of where young people are at. And then I think the current cost of living crisis as well is definitely impacting young people. We're seeing young people having to balance the need for getting any job right now just to be able to, to provide an income for themselves with their career aspirations and wanting to explore different career paths and get support for that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a juggling act. So I think they are facing additional challenges right now. And then I think the other side of that is is where organisations are at. And I think, as, as Jack touched on, the, the data is, is, is pretty harsh and, and it shows that we are quite stagnant with social mobility. We see with our direct delivery work and our advocacy work through the UK Social Mobility Awards and through valuable partnerships like we have with PA Consulting and CMC Markets that there's room for optimism and that organisations are prioritising social mobility more as part of their DEI strategies and wanting to take action to, to address that. And whether that starts with the sort of engagement and recruitment pieces sort of widening the gate and thinking about how they can connect with young people from less advantaged backgrounds to then supporting them once they join the organization which is a is a bigger piece of work but definitely across across the broad the board we are seeing more organizations wanting to get involved in social mobility activity which is positive and hopeful that will yeah continue to support young people because they really need it more than ever yeah no that is really positive because as you say that is a pretty bleak landscape that you were uh, painting for us there in the first part of your answer with all these challenges that young people are facing I'm sure your work is harder than ever but um, yeah I think um, everyone's touching it so far but Wumi maybe you could pick up this uh, subject about yeah of course we're focusing on these individuals who drastically need our help but what about for the companies and organizations what are the key advantages to them to adopting this uh, the social mobility? Social mobility is it's a critical piece to a thriving society. And I work within the office sector. And one thing that we've seen how the way we work has dramatically changed in, in a post-COVID world 
the way in which we work, you know, um, that could be, you know, hybrid working, remote working. And I think that's really caused the strain on companies and businesses because they've, they've, they've struggled with identity in those moments. And a lot of the reason, I think a lot of us, you know, progression is important. Um, rising up the ranks is important, but working at a company you can connect with is quite key. I, I think, I think companies are battling to attract and retain talent in this job market. Um, if, if they're losing out and missing out on that diversity piece, and I would I would generally equate it to it being as important as the ESG agenda for a lot of, for a lot of businesses right now. I think social mobility is right up there. And if you're not thinking about it, um, you, you're going to be in a position where you're, you're going to have to. And I think it's natural to look at the top universities um, and attract talent from there. It just makes sense if if there's a Russell Group University teaching your sector the best. Um, you, you want the best talent to compete the best. Um, but definitely in my case, you know, I I didn't go to uh, Russell Group University, nor did I even study real estate. Um, but just to be given that opportunity, um, I now find myself in, in, in a kind of a leading uh, real estate business and, and, and doing quite well. So one thing we can see from a business point of view that diversity of thought can breed innovation. And I think in this uh, tumultuous time, it's always important to adapt. And it's the businesses that struggle to adapt um, that end up not actually weathering the storm or even growing um, in the midst of these calamities. And there's a one of my favorite quotes is actually by um, Winston Churchill, um, to improve is to change, to perfect is to change often. And I think that once you have that, um, I would just say that backbone of diversity within your business, you'll find that you're going to constantly innovate. You're not just going to have the same ideas or the same mindset. You're, you're, got, you're constantly going to be challenged internally. I think that 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 will be very profitable for businesses. And finally, there's the moral code of it. I think, again, going back to how it thrives society, the impact it has on young people's lives and not just young people's mature adults as well. It's something that can help grow communities. Um, you know, Jack mentioned um, his, his story growing up, just being a young carer from young age, things like that help, help, help out in these situations. So I think on a, on a moral code, it's, it's so important. And I think when we're all, you know, as, as an economy doing well, um, we can, we can see brighter days, I would say. It just seems crazy, actually, because there's a clear moral case to do it. Why wouldn't we be doing this, you know, even if there was no other advantage at all? Yeah. But obviously, there's a clear business case as well, particularly the diversity of thought, which really resonates with me. So, Jack, maybe I could turn to you. I mean, why isn't this happening then? What barriers exist to not only solving this issue, but even talking about it in the first place? Well, I'll just add to what Wimi was saying just then. I think, um, you know, I was managing the, the household budget and doing the weekly shop at 10 years old. So if you imagine that there are other people out there like me, think about what they can do for your business at the age of 22 or, or onwards, you know. So I think there's a, there's a you know, people from from backgrounds like my, myself, you know, the, the, the experience, resilience and um, that they have um, to, to deal with challenges at an early age is, is second to none, really. But um, I think that this is the first time that I've talked about my social mobility experience. And I think that that resonates. And I'm 36 now. Um, I had to think about that. Um, but I um, I think it's really difficult. Uh, I think it's a real, I think, I think social mobility prejudice still exists. And I don't think we talk about it in the same way that we talk about other forms of diversity, for example. And I think it, I think it's because it's often invisible and it can be uncomfortable to talk about and acknowledge. I think if you're someone who grew up in a relative well-off household, I think you've obviously have had more access to resources and it can be hard to acknowledge that this might have given you an advantage. And also 
also could still put you in an advantage when it comes to the workplace today as well. And that's kind of obviously a bit of a negative conversation to have. But also, if you're from a low income background and have defied the odds to get to where you are, then it can also be a difficult topic to navigate. So I think most of us are trying to just fit in um, and not other ourselves. You know, we want to be the same as everyone else in our um, of our colleagues and don't really want to kind of single ourselves out. And also, I'm proud of my background, my friends, my family and, and count myself really lucky to have had a supportive mum uh, who valued education and supported my studies. But as I said, I often don't talk about my background, particularly in public. And I think also um, with Kelly's um, example with Peter Crudus, I think he's in such an incredible incredible exception uh, an exceptional story of an incredible man who inspires so many people and i'm sure that's created a great culture within cmc because of it but i think in many other organizations there's less acknowledgement of social mobility and less of this culture to talk about it and actually the skills and the the behaviors that you pick up um from being from backgrounds like mine uh, actually should be celebrated so i think providing opportunities in a safe space for people to be able to be heard with different social mobility background stories um, and as leaders recognizing that some people have, have actually overcome greater challenges to get to where they are and it's important to discuss and champion that and I think it should be seen as another form of diversity. We, we could do more to recognize that and understand and celebrate it. it. That's great to hear that I think we all agree that the workplace is evolving and I think we'd probably all agree that we, li- we need to listen to the young people within an organization because after all they are the future of of that company and society as a whole. So Kelly, if I can come back to you, I mean, what are the young people in CMC telling you about where they want to go and, and what they feel about these issues? So at CMC, we've actually started um, some listening groups around social mobility. As I mentioned before, we do have a number of individuals that have come off the ACE programme of Making the Leap and are in our organisation. And a lot of what we want to achieve is continue that trajectory, but grow on that and develop on that. And how do we do that? That's once we have some talented individuals inside our organisation that do come from low economic backgrounds, how do we then bolster their careers inside the the, the business? And whether that's to stay with us or if we sadly lose them because they're so great, they've got opportunities elsewhere. It's our our job, really, as an organisation to make sure that everybody that comes through our doors gets the opportunity to grow and develop and enhance their career This is a difficult subject, and I I agree with Jack, it is a difficult subject because there are some sensitive topics that you you need to cover and sort of your background and where you come from and the economic situation of your your families, etc. It's a difficult conversation to have and not everybody wants to talk about it. If Jack's only talking about it in his ripe old age of 30-something, 36, I think you remembered, you know, it's, it's, it's been a difficult conversation. It's been a difficult conversation for a lot of people. So actually, first of all, it's about building that trust inside your organisation where people do feel free and comfortable. Um, Wimi sort of indicated sort of ESG strategies earlier in, in his comments. And I sit at sort of the head of sustainability, which in, in includes the ESG agenda. It includes the diversity, equity, inclu- inclusion program of the organisation. And it, it, it is important, but we do need to separate DEI and social mobility. They are different, but they do intersect and they do interact. And we need to ensure that people understand the difference between the two, but also how they interact and, and they work together. So, you know, this does come to the point of organisations needing to have a better understanding of what social mobility is. Now, I think between us all today, we have defined that quite nicely for a lot of individuals. But actually, we can talk about it here with people who who, who know what social mobility is and what needs to happen and adjust in the organisation. But actually, it's raising that awareness. 
So inside the organization, I might have a poster child at the top of my organization, but actually there are 600 plus employees in London alone um, that might not really have a, a full understanding of what social economic movement is about and what, what needs to happen inside an organization. And it's our job to do that, right? So raising awareness of the, the benefits to an organization. You know, you asked me what our sort of listening groups are, are telling us. And one of them, you know, one of the comments that were made is it does need to come from the top of an organization. So whether you've got a poster child like we luckily have, or whether you have um, a spearheader in in your organization that's going to drive and push push understanding, knowledge and education. It's a key thing that our listening groups are starting to tell us around what we should do. Now, we also came up with this kind of AAA uh, concept, which is around action, accountability and authenticity. So this is what our sort of listening group came to at the end of our last discussion was actually action does need to happen with inside organisations. It should be recognised as a you know, a way to benefit a company's um, overall performance and it should be a focus for an organisation and we do need to take action and, like I said, it needs to have a spearhead at that. The accountability element is it comes from that top level. Um, like I said, we do have that, so that sort of accountability and driving it forward from a strong voice within the organisation and then the authenticity element of, of the discussion was very much around not being a tick box exercise you know, social mobility should be embedded into the DNA, the culture of the organisation. Um, and we should demonstrate that in our actions. And that authenticity, people will understand it if it comes with, comes with this kind of tick box in approach, actually being embedded into the organisation's culture is really important. So, you know, that can be demonstrated through the actions that you take. But um, back to, to back to a point that you're alluding to, we do have some barriers and barriers is about data um, and, and obtaining data and getting comfortable with that so that's where we kind of work on that trust element inside our organization so you know we, we came up with some really good um, ideas and concepts of how we can move the, the discussions forward with our young people that have joined us from um, making the leap data program which was really exciting to hear and we're looking forward to evolving that further here, here at cmc Excellent. No, I think that AAA approach sounds sounds brilliant. So um, yeah, good luck. Yep. <laughs> good luck with that, and hope it continues to go well. So um, Lucy, maybe some practical steps that you could give us. I mean, obviously, we want to, uh, as uh, Kelly was just alluding to there, that um, you know we're always striving to do more, to do better. What more can corporates be doing to to help with these issues? Sure. I mean, equally, I also like the AAA method Kelly I think that's really great um, a lot of it to Kelly's point actually does start with the data and that's something we see organizations struggle with it and I totally get it it's it's a difficult it's a sensitive subject and I think it's important for organizations in the first instance to understand the, the makeup of your staff because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach to tackling social mobility and every organization has has a different a different makeup of, of staff and also at different levels in the business so it is about our general thought is to start with the data and the social mobility commission has a one question approach where there's various resources available but the one question approach is about asking staff in a survey so what the household income was when they were 14 years old and there's there's various sort of levels for that and just enabling to, to get gather some data um, to just see what the sort of as a starting point to, to see who is in or your organization and then taking it from there because it's important to have that strategy and have a plan in place but I think having the data just enables you to set some targets and priorities that really fit your organization and are realistic to be able to sort of move forward and I suppose there's two main 
areas. One is around engagement and recruitment. So for some organizations, that's about just widening the gate and diversifying the talent pool that you, that you have joining your organization. And to Wumi's point, thinking about perhaps recruiting from other universities than you normally would or, or raising awareness in colleges about your opportunities. And then it could also be partnering with charity organizations or or other community organizations that support those young people so be able to be that go-between to give you access to the to the young people that you want and then as Jack touched on the sort of recruitment processes so just thinking about how you can make those more accessible whether that's using anonymized recruitment processes or contextualized to just give young people the opportunity to to be able to compete and we see a lot of a lot of young people that exactly have trod that path that, that Jack and we have described and are incredibly resilient and don't even necessarily see the value in their life experience and, and how that has given them a huge resilience and transferable skills. And a lot of it is is about employees being open to understanding those and, and seeing those as valuable skills, really, and examples that they can, they can use. So it's a, about that engagement and recruitment. And then, of course, once people join, that retention and, and progression, and that could be about mentoring, targeted training programs to be able to support staff, but looking at your culture and your values and seeing is that actually reflected throughout the organization? Is it a place where people feel that they can be themselves and they can grow and develop? And some of the things that our young people perhaps wouldn't have understanding of, that sort of social capital, the networks, just being able to to, to fill some of those gaps for them. And to Kelly's point about having really leadership from the top is really vital because if you've got sponsorship as high as possible and it's then embedded throughout the organization, people will see that you know, the organization's serious. It, it means means business when it comes to social mobility and, and therefore it has more chance of really succeeding. The last point I would say is about sharing what you're doing internally and, and externally um, and getting involved in, in initiatives, getting involved in the, the discussion. We recently uh, were commissioned by the co-op to conduct research in their business to understand social mobility um, and that report was published in June so that's social mobility inclusion and belonging at the co-op and that was a look at all areas of their business and highlights of that we were able to see what they were doing well but also areas they needed to work on and as a result of that they have committed to nine pledges publicly around social mobility and steps like that are really great because it shows other businesses what good looks like but to Kelly's point it gives the co-op that accountability to say look we've made these commitments we need to need to honor them taking steps like that but then getting involved in initiatives like the social mobility awards and social mobility day the social mobility employer index and all of the resources that are available from the commission are really great because you can see what what others are doing and and celebrate what you're doing and and share that within your universe because that will encourage others to to get involved as well yeah thanks lucy that that's brilliant and uh, that's some real you know real practical steps that i think um people can look into but uh Wumi, I'm interested to to switch that back to your own personal story now and, and think about, you know, your career progression. What what have been the most helpful things along the way for you? Um, so I, I think there'd be three themes I'd like to capture. Um, one being mentoring, um, role models and social capital. Um, Lucy just mentioned that. And I think that, that was spot on. And to to kind of piggyback off Jack's story. Um, Jack, I think that's really impressive, by the way. And I think you've done fantastic. Um you'll you'll be surprised kind of where you'll find untapped talent and if i just go through my first story this was actually my first uh step into the door into commercial real estate um my manager at the time he actually came from a kind of a similar diverse background 
Um, I think he grew up kind of outside London, kind of very working class um, family, didn't actually um, go to university to study real estate, had, had kind of worked his way through sales. And now he was um, heading up a department. And when he saw my CV, he didn't, I didn't know this till I got the job afterwards. But um, one of the things that captured him, his, his interest was the door to door fundraising I did during university just to um, just to make a bit of money. And he just saw this as this is somebody who has, you know, real grit, can take no, but keep on going. And it takes a certain character to, um, to, to, to be able to do these type of jobs. And although I had the, the one year um, experience in, in property, albeit residential, um, he saw that as enough transferable skills to kind of give me the opportunity, which actually allowed me to now kind of work my way through the industry. So definitely having diversity at the top in leadership, which Kelly has, Kelly has mentioned as well, um, it starts at the top, will definitely um, trickle down that effect and, and seep into the DNA. Um, second second um, example was when I was working at Knight Frank, um, there was a gentleman called Paul Moju. Um, he headed the Race and Faith uh, board at Knight Frank. Um, first weekend at a new company, you, you do feel always just out of place. And I was still kind of um, just working my way through the industry. And he came up to me, introduced himself, said, I haven't seen you around. And we started chatting. And through my interaction with Paul, he, he became a real mentor for me and introduced me to so many senior members of staff um, leading up to actually meeting the CEO of, of the company. So it, it went that far. And one thing I learned is I wish I could sit here, Graham, and tell you I just worked hard, woke up at 5 a.m., went for a run and and smashed it daily. That That's what has helped me most of my career. The truth is um, it's not just what you know, as we all know, it's it's who you know. And building that social capital um, really, really helped me. And it's just, I think having good mentors is important, not just for um, entry-level staff or young staff, but but also your mature staff because that allows them to forge those relationships. And the more people that know each other's each other employees in different areas of the business, the more profitable your business will be because there's that connection there. So I think there's there's so many so many benefits and and again that it does kind of help for stickability when it comes to retention of employees and, and actually feeling that they're a part of something bigger. Yeah, I love that personal touch and, you know, that mentoring that that was given to you, you know, at such an early stage in your career. And, you know, that's brilliant to hear that how much that has helped you. And I'm sure you owe him a lot and uh, you can buy him a pint next time you see him. Um, <laughs> let's let's try and wrap up the conversation now because we've had some fascinating insights for you all. Let, let's think about some takeaways for our audience, for our listeners today in terms of, well, maybe the enabling factors to promoting social mobility. I don't know who wants to kick us off with that. Maybe you could, Kelly. How about you? You know, we've covered a lot of these enabling factors. Um, you know, I look at it from an ins inside an organization's perspective and what we can do and what we can achieve. And that does start very much from, you know, that sort of talent acquisition from our side, like that recruitment process. And actually, maybe we can think about ways that we can almost ring fence some opportunities that, you know, a talent pool from from making the leap or from universities that are not the red brick university sector that we can ensure that go through go through our pipeline and have the same equal opportunities. There's, I mean, there's lots of opportunities to, to to think about this. And, you know, once inside the organization, what can we then do? Be, you know, creating listening groups is a great start for us, but actually we know we can do better. We've got a mentoring program inside, uh, but actually maybe we expand that beyond um, what, where we have it currently. Um, and looking through a social mobility lens at that sort of mentor program, which we're hoping to work with uh, making a leap on going forward, which we're really excited about. Um, and then also like creating those opportunities for networking inside the organization. You know, what, one of the things that we don't see a lot of is 
the confidence in, in, in individuals to, to build their own network. And they are our future leaders, essentially. So we need to get them to feel that they are the, the company's future leaders and they should have a network that starts at the grassroots. So, you know, once inside the organisation, it's actually just giving the individuals the opportunity to continue and grow and develop and creating that pipeline of education. And, and then, you know, the other enabling factors is awareness. This is where we started right at the beginning is actually raising awareness of what good talent looks like from low economic backgrounds and what we can really achieve as an organization and the benefits to to the organization and to the individuals that are inside. Um, I think there's a lot there's a lot we can be doing. There's a lot more we certainly should be doing. And we look forward to sort of evolving our relationship further with making the leap and with um, those that are already inside the organization, but the exciting individuals that might come down through the pipeline, which, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to. Excellent. What about you, Jack? What what do you think should be the takeaways from today's conversation? Yeah, I think we've obviously talked about data, and I think the data shows us that there's a problem. Uh, and I think the first the first kind of step in addressing this is to accept that there's a problem, and that some people have less access to resources than others. And I think the word equity is really important. We often talk about equality of opportunity, but that means giving the same opportunities to everybody. And actually, what we should be doing is addressing this imbalance where some people are further behind, uh, and we should be supporting them more. Uh, than than others. So I think um, recognising this uh, is really important and and this idea of levelling the playing field as much as possible uh, is something that we should all uh, have in the front of our minds. Um, And I agree with Kelly in terms of uh, as organisations we should be creating the spaces for people to feel comfortable and confident and providing those outlets to build communities and and build that support networks uh, and links to with uh, what Rumi was saying as well in terms of um, finding those mentors and uh, and getting that support, particularly at the beginning of your career, which is a really formative time uh, and uh, a really important uh, juncture. Often people don't get the confidence, like myself, to speak out um, until much later uh, and could have done with that support earlier on in their career. Wumi, is that the key takeaway from you, that support? You mentioned, you know, the superb uh, mentorship that you had at Knights Frank. Is that the key to you, creating this right culture? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And even um, working at, uh, for the fellows board. So the fellows board is, is effectively made up of those who've completed the program um, at making the leap. Um, we're just trying to build a community um, for those who've actually finished the program and, and leveraging that social capital um, because it can be challenging trying to navigate that that job sphere. You know, you've got great help for making the leap, but also um, I don't know what Kelly, what the experience has been for CMC markets, but I feel like there's a lot of, I, I met a few of the, a few of your staff and, it was just amazing to see how connected they all were. They all knew each other quite well. And, and it clearly there's been like an exchange of information that's led them to kind of um, still thrive and be successful in their careers. But I think the key takeaway for me is just creating the right culture um, in an organization, um, that inclusivity, um, something that CBRE does really, really well. I mean, you walk on my floor, I, I can tell you about 10 accents you'll hear, you know, Aussies, New Zealand, you know, it, it's just from all different walks of life. And it's you know I'm 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 actually here in a polo. Um, some are wearing a shirt. You know that that you're really judged by merit, not not on you know what you look like, how you dress. It's all about you know um, coming into work and, and doing a, jo- a good job. And I think um, CBR they've done a really good job with just um, creating that really good culture. And that and that starts from the top. Our, our head of department he he actually doesn't have a desk. He doesn't have an office. Sorry, he just hot desks around every single day. So again, just to really be at the ground and, and kind of see where everything's at. And I think the last comment I'd say is for those who feel like diversity can take from take from you, um, 
I, I give you this, I give you the quote that um, Lucy's husband told me, Gareth, who also works with the program. Um, if we all have a bigger pie, we'll have a bigger slice. So you don't actually have to worry about anyone taking what's yours. If we all just create a bigger pie, we can all actually benefit more. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Rumi. Thanks for all your contributions today. Lucy, I want to give the last word to you. So what are your key takeaways? I guess I think the last thing is just about having a plan. It is important because everyone's busy and having, you know, even if you have uh, resource groups or or social mobility champions, having a a plan that everyone can come back to and really just be able to look back and see, okay, what, what action are we doing? What is that achieving? Also just partnering with with organizations there's there's lots of fantastic charities and community organizations that are doing great work and cmc and pa consulting have taken it one step further by establishing charitable foundations which is absolutely amazing and i take my hat off to organizations that take that step further to do that Um, but there's lots that businesses can do as well to be able to get involved volunteering fundraising, charitable donations, opening their doors to to young people. I think giving them the exposure to workplaces is incredibly valuable, whether that's whilst they're in education, because that can really change their trajectory. But then once they they finish education as well and to help them access the the workplace. But I think if you build a plan that's fit for your organisation and then fill it properly, you can actually action something and, and really make a difference. Brilliant. Well, that's very inspiring thoughts to uh, finish the discussion for today. So thank you to all. Thanks to all my guests, to Wumi, to Jack, to Kelly, to Lucy. Really has been fascinating to, to hear what you've got to say today. So thank you all. You can find out more about the fantastic work that Lucy and her team are doing at makingtheleap.org.uk. And we always want to hear about what you think. So if you'd like to contribute to this discussion, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, or should that be X now, LinkedIn and Instagram. The links for these can be found at the top of the page at csuitepodcast.com. You can also catch up with all of our previous shows and follow us for automatic downloads of each episode via your favorite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do give us a positive rating and review. Finally, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do that via the contact form on the website, or you can find me, Graham Barrett, and the C-Suite podcast on LinkedIn. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye.